crises of 2011 and 2013, when Congress threatened to shut down the federal government and actually did so in 2013. I mean, I was stunned that we would be at a point in the United States Congress that we were prepared to take the, the country to the financial and political brink to make a political point. Snow had been planning to run for re-election to the Senate. Everything was in place. She was just 65 years old. She had the money and the organization. In her previous election, she'd won nearly 75% of the vote. But she decided that she didn't fit in this Congress anymore. And so they abandoned legislating and policymaking and it just devolved into a series of, you know, gotcha votes, uh, my way or the highway, and the all-or-nothing proposition that was really the road to nowhere. Certainly been a monumental day in Maine politics. One of the most prominent women in the United States Senate is leaving, Olympia Snow of Maine. The principled voice of reason in some of the most contentious debates in Washington. What does it say about the state of our government and politics when serious people conclude that serving in the United States Senate is no longer worth their time and effort? And I decided that I would take my fight on the outside because I realized that the change was not going to occur from within. Snow joined the Bipartisan Policy Center, which addresses, as she calls it, congressional dysfunction and political paralysis. She wrote a book called Fighting for Common Ground, How We Can Fix the Stalemate in Congress. Many of her solutions have to do with recreating a bipartisan Congress, less filibustering and grandstanding, more regular meetings between majority and minority leadership, more regular meetings between Congress and the president, because that's how it was in Snow's early years in Washington. But over time, moderates were purged from both parties and partisan battles became more intense, more destructive. So what's to be done about that? And since it's election season, we might as well ask a bigger question. What's to be done about all the other rotten things in American politics? Today on Freakonomics Radio, we ask politicians and scholars, donkeys and elephants, and everyone in between, what's the one political or electoral practice that deserves to die? The idea that I would like to die unmourned, buried as quickly as possible, no funeral. The idea that we ought to abolish. If I could do a single thing in American politics, it would be to get rid of. Doing away with. The idea I want to kill. Whose time is coming. Simply around the idea of blowing up the existing system. WNYC Studios, this is Freakonomics Radio, the podcast that explores the hidden side of everything. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. We Americans may love our democracy, at least in theory, but at the moment, our feelings toward the federal government lie somewhere between disdain and hatred. Consider these numbers. In 1958, the American National Election Study found that 73% of Americans said they trusted the government either most of the time or just about always. So, 73% in 1958. 
As of last year, that number was 19%. Congressional approval ratings have plummeted. They now range from roughly 10 to 20%. So it's probably no coincidence that the U.S. has one of the very lowest voter turnout rates in national elections among OECD countries, at just over 50%. The conventional wisdom is to wonder why so few Americans vote. But given the way we feel about government, the better question might be, why so many bother? That said, we keep having elections, relatively orderly ones at that. This year's presidential election has already proven somewhat less orderly than usual and may well get even weirder. So we thought we might do our civic duty here at Freakonomics Radio by taking a level-headed look at the American electoral system. Some time back, we put out an episode called This Idea Must Die, where we asked scientists to nominate a scientific idea that had outlived its usefulness. Today...